This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 85 of Go To Grandma. I'm your host, Kathy Buckworth, and this week we are going to be working it. This show is airing on Zoomer Radio on Saturday, March 25th, 2023. I know I'm not the only person in the world who is both a grandparent and still working. Just as I know a few people who are retired and aren't yet grandparents. There is no right or wrong way to blend the two. I love my job. Thanks for listening to me do it. And I love being a grandparent. I'm fortunate in that my job directly relates to my grandparent lifestyle. I've switched careers so many times it's hard to count, from an accounts payable clerk and product manager at a packaged goods and telecommunications company, to owning my own baby and maternity consignment shop, over to being a director of marketing in the corporate world, and then an author of six parenting books doing TV and radio brand work until landing right here at Zoomer, and some other side hustles. I'll be 60 about 10 days after this show airs, and I'm not counting out picking up a few more jobs and or careers before I'm done. Nadine Araxi knows what I'm talking about. Working her way through corporate life, Nadine now writes for corporate brands and co-founded Kickstartology Consulting to help other women find their new or improved life paths and careers. She's going to tell us what differentiates the grandmas who come to her program and how we can face down ageism in the workplace. Setting goals is always an important part of knowing where you're going and when you're there. What about setting some big, gorgeous goals? Leadership coach and author of the book Big Gorgeous Goals, How Bold Women Achieve Great Things, Julie Ellis is going to tell us how she went from co-founding a label business in a basement to selling a thriving operation to a multinational company and then discovering how she could motivate herself to move forward again and in the process help others to do the same. She'll help you to get unstuck. And we get stuck into how to avoid probate in our Take 5 with RBC interview. President and CEO of Royal Trust, Leanne Kaufman, is back to tell us what exactly probate is and why we should really try to avoid it. Our ultimate goal is to leave our estate in as clean a state as possible for our loved ones. If you're a take-action kind of grandparent, you're going to want to listen to these three smart women tell you how to pick a goal and take the steps to achieve it, no matter where you are on your life, lifestyle, and career path. I'm on a path to get another cup of coffee, as I hope you are ready to be inspired in our next half hour. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you're listening to Go To Grandma. Nadine Araxi kickstarts it all first. Nadine Araxi writes for some of Canada's best-known media brands on everything from parenting and being a woman in midlife to her experiences with neurodiversity. She co-founded Kickstartology Coaching, an online group coaching program and community that helps intelligent women find a clear path to getting what they want from life. Through their signature alignment framework, she offers tools to help women learn to manage their minds as they navigate these uncertain times. Good morning, Nadine Araxi. Thanks so much for coming on GoToGrandma this morning. Thanks for having me, Kathy. It's so nice to be here. So you have a company called Kickstartology Consulting, and you basically talk about living in alignment, and there are some components to that. Could you briefly explain that to us? Yeah, absolutely. Living in alignment means taking care of all the parts of your life and making them work together, making sure they're aligned with your values and how you want to live, who you want to be in the world. 
whether it's your career or your business, your family, your friends, your community, your personal growth, your skill mastery, healthy habits is one that comes up quite a bit. And then having fun. We forget the importance of prioritizing fun in our life and how that helps everything come into alignment. Absolutely. And you work with women of all different ages and stages, of course. Of course, selfishly, I want to know what differentiates grandmas from other women who come to your program. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, at Kickstartology Coaching, we use this alignment framework to help, you know, women of all ages, as you mentioned, get clarity on what they want to discover, how they want to live, and what they are capable of, and then design the path to get to where they want to go. And what's fun about grandmas in particular is that they're at a stage often where they might be waking up to looking backwards a little bit and going, okay, I've taken care of everyone now. I've spent my life prioritizing others. It's very common for women. Mm -hmm. And I'm ready to put myself first. I'm ready to get the most out of the life that's left to live. And we see that all kinds. We have uh, people in the program who are even end of life, like have been given terminal diagnoses, for example, and they come to us because they don't want to just wait for the end. They want to really be the author of that story as they build out whatever runway is left ahead of them. And it's such a beautiful thing to be present for that process, because I think, especially if you've lived like three quarters of your life just giving to everyone else, starting to uncover the patterns and the thoughts that have kept you in those behaviors and those habits is just is such a beautiful thing to witness. And getting to that point might be a bit tricky because, as you've just mentioned, habits are habits. And we look back and we think, oh, is it too late? Is it too late to change my path? Is it too late, Nadine? It's never too late. <laughs> I Honestly, it's never too late. We had someone in the program who was in her 60s and had wanted to be an artist and had spent some time in her life creating art. But then, you know, had kids, raised the kids and still wanted to make such a huge impact. She was all the way in Australia, or she still is all the way in Australia. (laughs) And just watching her trajectory of putting herself out there and advocating for herself in a very male-dominated space, and seeing now the exhibits that she's becoming a part of, the people she's collaborating with, it's amazing. It is uncomfortable at first, right? This is uncomfortable work, deep work done lightly, we like to say. Mm -hmm. And that's why we include a lot of fun and we have a lot of laughter because we're all ridiculous in our own ways, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So when you're working with these women and we talk about this aligned life, I would suspect that sometimes people who are a little bit older, like myself turning 60 shortly, maybe we feel like our lives are pretty aligned. What do we know about living an aligned life that maybe younger women in your program could learn from? Oh, yeah, I love that because I think the older we get, we just stop worrying about what everyone else will think, right? It's the Mm -hmm. beauty of getting older. And so I think what older women bring to the conversation is A, their experience, their lived experience, and we're each so unique in that way, but also just a real knowing of who they are. And I think that's so nice for younger women to see that like knowing yourself is the key to unlocking all this other stuff. 
So we really focus on creating like a vision, a beautiful vision for your life. There's a great daydreaming portion to this program. And then building those goals, those habits, catching and redirecting when you go back to old patterns. And older women are often, even though they've been you know, doing some of these patterns for a long time, they're so willing to shed these layers because they know time is of the essence and they have this passion for going forward that I think is very inspiring to younger women. And on the flip side of that coin, while we feel like we know a lot of things, whatever, ageism in the workplace is real. I know this and you know this. And so have you had to work with women who are trying to overcome that in the workplace? It's one of their major stumbling blocks. And what advice or how do you work with them on that? Yeah, so career is often the number one thing people come to see us for. And what happens is often what we say is like, what is happening in one place of your life probably shows up in other areas of your life too. One of the things I think we see a lot of is women of a certain age tired of the corporate ladder, the glass ceiling, all these things. And what happens is they identify their value and the kind of day, how they want to spend their day to day. Do they want to work 30 hours a week? Do they want to work 50 hours a week? It really depends. And so we get them to identify what are those, what is that vision for your day to day going forward? And often what happens is they enter consulting, they create consulting practices, or they start a business, or they realize, you know, they crunch some numbers and they don't have to push at the same level. And they learn to work through this because what happens is there's kind of a U-shape in our careers that happens, Mm -hmm. right? There's like a midlife kind of slump as we have to repivot what we've learned to date and start to teach, start to be the mentor, start to be the inspiring force. And so there's lots of value in workplace for that, especially now that we are, you know, often working remotely and whatnot, having people who have experience, but also the comfort of having uncomfortable, honest conversations in the workplace, which is often something older women are very good at doing, is something we help coach women through to identify their strengths. Absolutely. And you know what? Next time I'm looking at a job, I'm going to put grandma right there on my resume and see what happens. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, you're probably amazing at multitasking and people listen to you and you know how to have fun. Exactly. Be responsible. Bake cookies. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And if we want to get more information, if we want to sign up for this amazing coaching session, the sessions that you have on your website, we can go to kickstartology.com. Thank you so much, Nadine. This has been a fascinating discussion and I'm sure people can learn a lot more by going to your website. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me again. And yes, exciting to uh, think about coaching more grandmas. Awesome. Thanks, Nadine. Bye. Thanks. Julie Ellis is an author, professional speaker, and leadership coach to corporate leaders and scaling entrepreneurs. Julie provides her unique experience and expertise to her coaching clients, gained through 25 years of working first in the corporate world and then as a leading Canadian entrepreneur. She is a co-founder of award-winning Mabel's Labels, one of Canada's greatest small business success stories. Julie's book, Big Gorgeous Goals, is written for women entrepreneurs who want to step out of the small box they find themselves in and set world domination in their sights. 
Good morning, Julie Ellis. Thanks so much for coming in studio today. Thanks for having me, Kathy. It's so great to have you here. I've been reading your book, Big Gorgeous Goals, and I just want to, you know, start into this by reading off what the book is really all about. It's about how to set big, gorgeous goals, the ones so big that they block out the sun, the ones that scare you, they keep you up at night because you fear they are beyond your grasp. These goals are very different from the safe, achievable goals you know you can accomplish because they feel tidy and contained. Your big, gorgeous goals have the power to move you out of a state of stuckness when you've plateaued, propelling your life and career to the next level. Wow. So that's that's big, right? <laughs> it is big. So what are or why big, gorgeous goals? I think big, gorgeous goals are about stepping into our magnificence, the things we're meant to do in this world, in this life, in, in our career, as well as our life. And they really propel you into the new zone and out of safety and out of the stuckness that you might feel. I love that word, stuckness, because we find that sometimes, right? We're just not sure really how to take the next step. So what's different if I'm sitting down saying, I'm going to set some big, gorgeous goals? What's different compared to like a, a regular goal? I think they're missing an ingredient. And I think that's what part of what makes them feel scary. So maybe you need money that isn't available right now. Maybe you need connections or an introduction to somebody that you don't know how to get to, or you need expertise and knowledge that you don't possess. So there's a missing piece there somewhere. And so I think that's the difference between setting a goal that you know how to lay it out and just go for it and a big, gorgeous goal. I get entirely what you're saying. So if my goal is, I don't know, lose 10 pounds. I know there's steps that I can take that I can get there. My goal is to look for that next job. And I'm like, I don't even know who to talk to. Like that is a big gorgeous goal then, that missing link. Yeah, when there's there's got to be a missing link. And I think it's also the kind of thing where it's like a beam that radiates upward and outward. So you set a goal that is big and gorgeous, but the one after that will be even bigger. And more gorgeouser? Exactly, more gorgeouser. <laughs> more gorgeouser, I'm going to use that. <laughs> so when, when you talk about this place of stuckness, like how can we force ourselves out of this stuck place when we're looking at setting our goals? Well, I think it's about stepping into the unknown mm. and doing something that feels out of, you know, makes you feel a little bit off balance. You can't just make a to-do list and start checking things off. And I think that's where the stuckness turns to safety. And, you know, ultimately those goals become rooted in our fears of stepping out into the unknown. You talk about this in your book. Of course, you're one of the co-founders of Mabel's Labels, which massive Canadian success story. You sold the business to a multinational. The apex, you know, of everything you guys had worked towards for many years. Where did you go from there? You talk about this in your book. You sort of, you're at the top. Now what? <laughs> and after climbing to a pinnacle for mm-hmm. 12 years, I did not know what to do. And I got a little bit stuck on the plateau at the sort of intersection of grief and gratitude, being able to sort of grieve the business that I had lost and sold. I mean, it wasn't lost forever, but it was it was lost to me at that mm-hmm. moment. And to still look grateful for the journey that every entrepreneur wants, which is to sell your business and exit. Right. So in the book, you talk about that, and I'm paraphrasing it, but you kind of sat on the couch I did. for a little bit, right? You say, I sat on the couch. Was that a really important process in terms of moving forward for you? I think it was in my journey to uncover what big, gorgeous goals actually are and what they look like. Because as my world got smaller, I I lived off like little to-do lists and, and did smaller and smaller things. And so I think that really helped me figure out 
what that difference was and how I defined my way back. So our audience, and a lot of us are 55 plus, we're thinking, okay, I could set some big, gorgeous goals. Is it too late? Can I still have big, gorgeous goals if I'm sort of on the, you know, the back half? (laughs) I think it's never too late because I think the people we think of as the most vibrant that they get as they get older are people who keep living. And I think setting big, gorgeous goals is part about living to our full potential. Yeah. You'd look at someone like Hazel McCallion, who just passed away at the age of, what, 101 or whatever. She just signed a contract for a three-year term on a board or something. So obviously, she still had some big, gorgeous goals going Amazing, on. right? To hear people like that, that's inspirational. And I think that's more of what we need to move towards as we keep big, gorgeous goals at the forefront. So what are Julie Ellis's big, gorgeous goals right now? If you can share what some of the things you're working on right now. I'm working on things related to the book, creating mm, communities yep. around the work that's in the book, looking to work with more women entrepreneurs in the seven-figure range who want to grow to eight and who, you know, don't have a group around them to do that. So looking at some mastermind things and looking at working with clients who are on that growth path up to eight figures. It's so interesting because you're working with women who are probably then with these kinds of figures pretty well established, right? And experts in their field. But again, like yourself, where do you go from there? And I think that's really an interesting sort of perspective to take. Yeah, navigating the changes that you need to make as you move up that revenue path are significant. And, you know, it helps to have people who want to do it with you. Absolutely. And the way that your book is structured, you always have some takeaways at the end of the chapters, which I loved because it sort of takes you back to, you know, what am I learning as I'm going through this? And one of the ones I loved was problems often have more than one solution and you've got to work to define the problem. And I think that's a big thing for most people. What What's the problem to begin with, right? Yeah. And I think we want to find solutions and we jump to them without necessarily defining the problem. And so then we end up down the wrong path. Yeah. And not really knowing what our goal is, right? Like it, that old thing about, you don't know, you're not going to get there if you don't have, you know, the, the map. I'm getting that all wrong. But you know what I mean? You got to know where you're going in terms of knowing whether you're successful or not. Yeah, you do. And I think it's one of those things where you have to keep checking back. Mm -hmm. Here's where I wanted to go. Here's where I'm ending up. You know, course correction is so important because it's not something you're going to do in a day or a week or a month. So absolutely. And and you can change them. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. You said this big gorgeous goal and go, well, hang on. Now, six months later, that's not where I want to go. And I think when they're so big that that happens, and so you have to let go of the idea that you're getting to a specific destination and more about that you're going towards something that's much bigger than anything you've faced before. Yeah, I I mean, it's all about your mindset, and it's all about just because I'm successful today doesn't mean I can't be successful in something else entirely different tomorrow. It's never too late, right? Never too late. So if we want to get some advice from Julie Ellis herself, we can go to Big Gorgeous Goal. Goals.com. Also, julieellisandco.com. We can find you there. And you're on social media, of course, on Instagram and Facebook. And you have a YouTube channel as well, Julie. I do. Big Gorgeous Goals. Nice. Of course. Big Gorgeous Goals. <laughs> well, it's been lovely having you in here. And now I'm going to go set some more Big Gorgeous Goals for myself before I turn 60 in two weeks. So I'm Fantastic. doing it. Fantastic. Happy birthday to you. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Leanne Kaufman is the President and CEO of the Royal Trust Corporation of Canada and the Royal Trust Company. She is responsible for the strategy and overall management of RBC Royal Trust, which provides wealth protection and transfer solutions across generations to high net wealth Canadian families. A lawyer by profession, Leanne is the author of the fourth edition of the Executor's Handbook, a contributor to various publications on the topic of estates and trusts, and the host of RBC Wealth Management's Matters Beyond Wealth podcast. 
Good morning, Leanne Kaufman. Thanks so much for coming back on GoToGrandma for our Take 5 with RBC segment. Thanks, Kathy. So today we are talking about probate and why do people try so hard to avoid it? So a lot of people have heard about probate if they've been involved in a loved one's estate or planning their own. But what exactly is probate? Yeah, it's it's a bit of a mystery for most, isn't it? A lot of Canadians don't know much about probate, except maybe that it's something you should try to avoid. (laughs) That might be the one thing they all know. So really what probate is, it's it's a formal court process where the court is certifying that the will is the last one that that deceased person created and that the person named in the will as the executor has been rightfully appointed under the rules in that province, so therefore they have the necessary authority to deal with that person's estate. So it's kind of like a little bit of a court blessing that recognizes the authority. Now, you know, one of the reasons people try so hard to avoid it, and we might talk about this a bit further, but is the cost in some provinces, not all provinces, but you know, fees for probate, or sometimes it's called probate tax, do vary from province to province and can be as low as, you know, a few hundred dollars in some provinces and territories, up to as much as 15 or $17 for every $1,000 of probatable assets in the estate. So just for context, that would mean like a million-dollar estate would be subject to probate fees of between fifteen and $17,000. Wow, that's quite a bit. So can you share some insight into why some executors would need to seek probate while others would not? Yes, because it validates the authority of the executor, a lot of third parties will ask for probate in order to recognize that executor's authority. And the only way they're really protected from liability is if they do get that probate or they see that the court has blessed that particular executor. So typically that's going to be financial institutions. It could be government agencies that want to see that probate to make sure they're dealing with the authorized executor. Land transfer is another spot that is almost always going to require a probated will so that the land registry office will recognize the authority of the executor in making whatever transfers it is to get that property out of the name of the deceased and into the hands of the beneficiaries or a seller, a buyer, I mean, or or whoever it might be. Mm -hmm. And then there's some other reasons that help to protect the executor, like For example, in some provinces, there are limitation periods where, you know, actions can no longer be brought against an estate that are tied to the date of probate, not the date of death or some other date. Then, you know, the reasons why people try so hard to avoid it focus more on things like, well, we've already talked about the cost, Mm -hmm. right? It can be quite high in some provinces. There could be delay associated with it. Uh, Certainly during COVID, it was very lengthy. The courts were very backlogged and it took a long time. I think they've caught up a little bit, but it could still delay administration of estates and gathering the necessary assets, like, you know, getting those bank accounts unfrozen, for example. Mm -hmm. It could delay it by months. And then the third thing that not everyone understands is there's a confidentiality aspect. So probate is a public process, meaning that anyone who understands how to do it can go down to the courthouse and take a look at a probated will and the documents that went along with it. And so that may include some information about beneficiaries, about assets, about liabilities, who's getting and who's not getting. I mean, it can be, um, you know, some people don't want that kind of publicity to their will. So what are some of the ways that people generally try to avoid probate? And are there risks involved with these strategies? Yeah, so one of the most common ones is joint tenancy, right? Because people understand that if they've got a joint account, then it becomes, there's this right of survivorship, it's called, which means on the death of one, that the asset becomes 
bonds wholly owned by the person, by the other joint holder. Now, you know, that becomes a little bit risky when it comes to, you know, that now becomes an asset of that joint holder. If it's a traditional, you know, joint tenancy with right of survivor, either account or you're holding a piece of land that way. So, you know, if you've done that with a child, for example, you're now exposing that to potentially exposing that to the creditors of that child. If they were to get into any financial difficulty, it could create some messiness if there was marriage breakdown, for example. Is that an asset of the marriage? And there can be disputes about whether it was really even intended to be a gift to that person or whether it was just done for convenience purposes. And there's some law on this. So, you know, that's the risk that I would say associated with joint ownership. And obviously, it's far more complicated than we can get into in five minutes. Mm -hmm. A couple of other things, just very quickly, trust, like putting assets into trust removes it from the personal ownership of the individual. And so therefore, the assets in the trust don't form part of the estate, and therefore, they're not probatable assets. And then the third, which has some of the same risks that I just talked about with joint tenancy, is just making a gift during your lifetime. You know, whether that's a cottage or some money or whatever the case may be, you just you get it out of your hands and get it in the hands of the person that you want to receive it. Of course, risk associated with that. But all of these really, I think, need careful planning and advice to make sure those potential consequences and risks are discussed. As you say, so much to get into in just five minutes. So if we want some more information, we can go to rbc.com slash royal trust. Thanks so much for this, Leanne. My pleasure. You can, you should, and if you're brave enough to start, you will. Stephen King. You could, and should have, and you did, listen to today's episode of Go To Grandma, and for that, I thank you. Thanks to Nadine, Julie, and Leanne for sharing their expertise and guiding us in our own brave new directions. Next week on Go To Grandma, we're going to get all emotional in an intelligent way. Author and motivational speaker Carolyn Stern is going to explain what emotional intelligence is and how it is relevant at any age. She'll also explain how it can help bridge a generation gap or two, something that grandparents deal with on a regular basis when trying to emotionally connect with their kids and their grandkids. Losing a parent is one of the most emotional times of our lives, and it's made that much harder if we have to sell their home after they pass. Real estate broker Sharon Caddy will walk us through the preparation, the legal, and the financial steps, as well as giving us some advice on how to let go. And our Take 5 with RBC interview delves into the real estate market as well, giving us some insights on market developments and predictions for where we are headed. We're going to get real, and I really hope this teaser about next week's show is enough to reel you back into listening next Saturday morning at 7.30 on Zoomer Radio or to go back to our podcast archives to listen to approximately 300 other guests that have been on the show so far. You can find GoToGrandma anywhere you stream your podcasts or on the zoomerradio.ca website. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to GoToGrandma. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.